1: awesome. Did you know that only 9% of plastic actually gets recycled no matter how much we put in our recycling bins? Well, at Grove Collaborative, they believe it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good. Grove carries Hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and your personal care routine. By 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. Like Grove Co.'s concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles, they're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading national brands. Switch to sustainable products for every room in your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. Grove Co. has you covered with safe formulas, and refillable packaging that never compromises on performance. Now, you guys know that one of my favorite things about being a longtime Grove member is shopping the Grove Collaborative line. Well, with seven people in this house, we go through a lot of hand soap, like a lot. I got each bathroom the Grove Co. Foaming Soap Dispenser, and now we use the plastic-free Grove Co. Hand Soap Refills. I am thrilled to be using so much less plastic, and bonus, it's a pretty way to be good to the planet too. Join over 2 million households like mine that are already shopping sustainably at Grove. Go to grove.com slash awesome today to get a free gift set worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash awesome. That's grove.com slash awesome. It's February 18th, 2022. And as many of you awesomes know, we are all about learning new stuff here at Sort of Awesome. And we thought this week it would be fun to tell you some of the things that we have been learning lately. I am joined this week by my dear friend, my longtime co-host, and someone I am always learning something new from, Kelly Gordon. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Meg. Hi, awesomes. I am so thankful that you had the inspiration for this conversation. I mean, it's not that much of a stretch for you because this is kind of
0: what you do in your real job. This is your J-O-V, right? Yeah. Maybe this is a little selfish of me to be like, (laughs) hey, let's do something that I could easily talk about.
1: (laughs) But truly, I have learned so much from you. You will just casually drop things into conversation. Like, well, you know, the research actually does show this about, you know, various topics, I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be so fun to have that be part of your actual job Mm -hmm. is you're just like, you're constantly learning new things. Yeah. Meeting new
0: experts and all kinds of stuff. Right. And the things that I'm bringing to the awesomes today are really things that I can't put on the radio. Right. Like a lot of what I do in my job is research science or politics or, you know, some other thing, some issue. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about it on the radio. So these are things that I've learned in my side hustles, like in my real life, you know, that I've been like, Ooh, that was really good. You know, something that you read, a podcast. And this is why I was thinking about it for us here, Meg, is that I feel like this is one of my favorite kinds of chats. Yes. It's just what is getting your brain going right now? What are the things that are making light bulbs go off where you're like, oh, it's just one of those things I've thought about. And I think that so often, so often I'll have these realizations and because I'm not journaling or anything right now, maybe they do somehow become a part of my essence, Mm -hmm. but I'm not thinking about them for very long. And so I like the idea that if we just shared them, if we were like, this is what I'm learning, it probably would stick a little bit more, you know, like, or if you were journaling about them, you know, you were like, this is this, life lesson that I heard over here. And here's how it connects to me. Because the whole point about learning things, it's not just to accumulate knowledge and facts, right? It's to, you want it to make a difference in your life. So yeah, like what's making a difference in your life? What are you learning right now?
1: I love that way of framing this conversation. And we both have some things that we have been thinking about that we want to share with you. Some of it more thoughtful, a little bit more serious, and some of it's just for fun, for sure. So we're going to get to all of that in our conversation today. I'm Meg Teets and this is sorta awesome. Welcome back. Awesome's to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship and community. We are so happy that you have found your way to one of the best places in the world if you are looking for a little extra support, maybe some connections for friendship, and definitely ways to make your life a little bit better and more awesome. If you want even more awesome in your life, we would love to have you come join our Superstar Awesome community. That is what we call our Patreon supporters. And for our superstars, we have all kinds of extra bonus awesome for you. We have hundreds and hundreds of hours of ad-free exclusive episodes that you're not gonna hear on the main show. We also do have ad-free versions of this show. And we're doing some really fun things this year, like a fun romance reading challenge. We also give you our number so you can text us your thoughts about the podcast or about anything you want to talk to us about. And it's so much fun. We have so much good stuff for the superstars. It's really easy to get signed up at patreon.com slash sort of awesome. We'd love for this to be the year you become a superstar. Awesome. So Kelly, like we said, we have some thoughts that we want to share with the awesomes. We truly are always about discovering new things and sharing the things that we're discovering that are making a difference in our lives with our awesome community. I know we both have some stuff that we've been kind of taking note of to share, but before we get to all of that, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week If you're new to Sorta Awesome, well, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about whatever is making life a little bit more awesome for us right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, a recipe, just something fun to make life a little bit more sparkly. Kelly, what do you have for Awesome of the Week this week?
0: I'm so excited about my awesome of the week. And honestly, I feel so excited that I'm the one who gets to say it on the show. I can't believe that anybody else hasn't said it. It's been one of those things where I've been like, oh, I just hope I get to talk about it. It is the TV show Abbott Elementary. Okay. Are I you watching this? Meg? No, tell me okay. everything. Cause I don't even know a thing about it. It's just in its first season. It's on episode seven or eight, something like that. So by no means, if you're listening to me, do you feel like the trend has passed you by. Like it's definitely a wave right now that you can still catch. This is a show about an elementary school staff at a majority black under-resourced school in Philadelphia filled with all these different teachers, different types of teachers, mostly black, some white, with an aloof kind of principal who's not very involved. What I love about it is that it is pure joy, first of all, and it is teaching at its most pure and noble. Okay. So this is a staff, the woman who stars in it, also the woman who invented it, the creator of it, Quinta Bronson is her name. And she is this tiny little power house packed teacher. She's in her second year as it starts. So she has all the idealism and all the dreams. Like I'm here to make a difference. We're going to do things. And then there are a couple of teachers who are much older than her. One is an mm-hmm. elementary teacher. One is another second grade teacher who were like, Slow your roll a little bit, (laughs) not in a bad way, in a way that says you need to balance out, like you are going to burn yourself out. Yeah. If you want to stay in this for the long haul and make an actual difference, you might need to take it down a couple pegs. But of course, she's always inspiring them too and reminding them when they used to be really idealistic. It is such a great show. And it just like in this moment when things can seem hard and everything is contentious, for sure, just to enter into a good hearted staff that really does care for these kids that cares about what they're doing. They're not doing it for the money. They're working by choice in this school where things are hard. Yeah. It is absolutely fantastic. I've seen so many people on Twitter saying, how did I not know about the show until this week? You know, like now I'm binging it and now yeah. you've got to wait for new episodes. Right. It's on ABC on Tuesday nights, or if you have Hulu, you can watch it starting on Wednesdays okay. the next day. So you're just a day behind. That's what I've been doing. Of course, when I first started to watch the show and I had heard good things about it, and you know, I love a sitcom, mm-hmm. I was watching the first episode and just, I went in at least four times during the 23 minute episode to Corey, my husband. Who works for an organization helping teachers in under-resourced schools and was like, dude, this is your show. The first two episodes are about how like they can't get a new carpet for a classroom after somebody spills stuff on it. Like, and Mm -hmm. it's gross. And the principal's like, I don't have money for a new carpet. Just these really real struggles of teachers who are trying to do the best that they can for their students was so real. So of course he already is like, he put his people on it and they're talking to the people at the show and being like, you know, can we work with you? Wow. So yes. Some potential there, but that's not the real reason I love it. Right, I just feel yeah. like there was that personal connection to me that yes. I was like, yeah, this is like the real issues that you're addressing in so many schools across America. So anyway, it's just a really great show. You guys, if you're not already watching it, highly recommend it. You don't even have to have a subscription to something if you have actual TV, mm-hmm. and even if you have an antenna, right? Tuesday nights. Yes. Check it out or look for it on Hulu. And then, of course, I'm going to be starting a thread in The Hangout to talk about it. For those people who've already been watching it, let's talk about our favorite characters. It seems like it's going to be one of those shows that's set up a little bit like The Office, where they do a little talking to the camera. Sure. Yeah. So it has that kind of feel. It has the feel of this is going to be a show that's going to go for a while, that you're just going to fall more deeply in love with the characters. There's going to be a great story arc. You really get to see some good things happen. So it's truly an awesome for what we need right now. Abbott Elementary.
1: Abbott name. Elementary on ABC. Okay. This was not on my radar at all. I'm usually a little bit out of the loop on TV, but especially like on broadcast TV, I feel like I, those network shows, I just don't right. hear people talk about them as right. much Right, who knew?
0: As, a, yeah. It could come on network television versus it being right? on cable or one of the yes. streaming services. So yes. Yeah.
1: Well, I will definitely check that out as a former teacher. And of course, my sister is a longtime veteran teacher. Those issues yep. are near and dear to my heart too. So I'm going to absolutely check it out. Thank You'll you, love Kelly. It. I can't yeah. wait. Okay, my Awesome of the Week this week is not quite as meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a TV show, come on. <laughs> yes, but it's grappling with like real issues but yes. in a fun and joyful way. Mine is very much just a little bit more simple it's actually two, you're getting a two for this week, two great new moisturizers that I have found. Okay. That I am absolutely loving. One of them, I, by sheer chance, just added it to a CVS order I was making. Me and CVS, we're the best of friends I these guess days. you are, <laughs> especially because the sickness, it just, well, sickness. we need to
0: like have a purge or something.
1: Yes, before my family got COVID, my parents who are in their 70s and in terrible health got it. Now, thankfully they'd been vaccinated and boosted and stuff, but they still were really sick and they didn't want me to come over there. So I was like sending CVS orders over to their house. Then I was taking my turn at CVS, getting stuff for my family. But in the midst of all of that, I found a great new moisturizer. It's from L'Oreal their age perfect sunscreen hmm. moisturizer. And it's got a little bit of a pink tint to it. I'm showing you Kelly, not that the awesomes can see it, but it's got like just a little bit of shimmer when you put it on. And it is a really great winter, like cold weather moisturizer. It's a super thick formula, but as we know, we should all be wearing SPF daily even in the winter, which seems crazy, but it's a great idea to have your SPF on every day. And so I'm loving this for a winter moisturizer because it's very heavy. It is definitely geared more towards maturing skin. It's part of their age perfect line, but it just feels so great on. And then the other one, I just happened to pick up at Trader Joe's this week. And I don't know if this is new at Trader Joe's. You know, I love a Trader Joe's Mm -hmm. skin or beauty product. This is their Enrich moisturizing face lotion and it has an SPF 15 in it. This one I tried out, it is very lightweight. So I think this okay. is going to be the one I transition to going into spring and summer because it does have that SPF, but it's super, super lightweight. It's not greasy. So if you do have more oily skin and you try to stay away from thicker moisturizers, like the age perfect that I'm loving, this one's going to feel so great on your skin. Also it's fragrance free. I have really reactive skin. In Mm. fact, (laughs) earlier this week, Kelly, I I woke up and I had put on a face product the night before that I've used before, but I haven't used it for several weeks. Woke up the next morning, complete breakout,
0: complete breakout,
1: like completely across my face. And I was like, oh good, this is a (laughs) great way to start the day. I
0: mean, perimenopause with skin that's breaking out seems like an especial level of hell.
1: Absolutely, it is. So- I cautiously tried this, but it is great for sensitive skin. I have had absolutely no reaction with Mm. this Enriched Face Lotion from Trader Joe's. And of course it was like, I don't know, under $8. So I love Trader Joe's, their capacity to get the great products to us for great prices.
0: Yes. And that's what I was going to ask. What's the price point on both
1: of these? I cannot remember the age perfect one. I will okay. have to look that up and put it in the show notes. I mean, it wasn't anything too
0: extreme. I was going to say, if it's drugstore brand, it's still that's drugstore. the nice thing is you, yeah. you're thinking like, this isn't going to be like a $60 bottle of moisturizer, you know, like it's always pretty affordable. Okay. Yeah. And of course the Trader
1: Joe's one is super affordable if you're there and you just want to grab a bottle to check it out. So Those are the Awesomes of the Week for Kelly and I this week. Of course, we want to hear what is awesome in your life. So come and share with us on social media what your Awesome of the Week is. We'd love to have you join us over at Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show, where we talk about Awesomes of the Week and all kinds of other things. And as Kelly mentioned, we have our Sorta Awesome Hangout group that is on Facebook and it is the heart of our awesome community. If you have not joined us over there, we would love for you to come and join us, not just to talk about Awesome of the Week, but there are so many incredible, encouraging, supportive, life-giving conversations happening there every day. Kelly, sometimes I'm like, I can't even keep up with all of the new stuff. That Absolutely. It's disgusting here.
0: Yes, it's so fun.
1: Yeah, it really is. And really, truly so supportive. So mm-hmm. come find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. We'd love to have you there. Kelly, we have a lot of good stuff we've been learning that we want to share with the Awesomes. We're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Awesomes, I am so thrilled to welcome new sponsor, Thrive Cosmetics, to Sorta Awesome. Here's the thing. You all already know Thrive Cosmetics because their products have been mentioned more than a few times as Awesomes of the Week by us here on the show. Like our friend and Sorta Awesome regular, Katie Proctor, introduced me to Thrive Cosmetics brilliant eye brighteners and... Now I'm obsessed. I have three shades of these. I'm already planning which ones I want to pick next. And of course, anytime anyone asks me for a mascara recommendation, I tell them that Thrive Cosmetics Liquid Lash Extensions, it's my all-time ride or die favorite mascara. I'm wearing it right now. I always have it in my makeup bag. And something else that I think is so awesome about Thrive Cosmetics is that Cause is in the name for a reason. Every purchase supports organizations that help women thrive. They support so many great Causes, including the Black Women's Health Imperative, which supports Black women and their families in this country in overcoming inequity and in accessing quality health care. So very awesome. Well, you guys, now is the time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off of your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash awesome. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash awesome for 15% off of your first order. Okay, friends, real talk, we could probably all up our fruit and veggie game, but with everything going on in the world, who has time to track all of that? Well, this year, I want to change that. That's why I'm keeping my freezer stocked with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest is the easiest way to get more fruits and vegetables into my day every day. They have my back with delicious food that's good for me and good for the planet. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, flatbreads, smoothies, and more, all built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. And it stays fresh in your freezer. Right now, I am super into their delicious flatbreads, the artichoke and spinach, the kale and sweet potato. These are becoming my go-to work-from-home lunches. They only take a few minutes to prepare and they never use preservatives, added sugar, or artificial anything. And they have delicious options for any time of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, snack, Daily Harvest is all about preserving and protecting the earth for current and future generations to come. From the recyclable and compostable packaging to investing in organic farming practices, reducing food waste, you can feel good about the choices you're making physically and for the environment. Daily Harvest makes it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself and the planet. Go to dailyharvest.com slash awesome to get up to $40 off of your first box. That's dailyharvest.com slash awesome for up to $40 off of your first box. Dailyharvest.com slash awesome. All right, Kelly, again, I am so, so grateful to you for the inspiration for this conversation because it's like you said at the top of the show, Sometimes we might have these things kicking around in our brains, mm-hmm. but if we don't intentionally have a conversation about it or like you said journal about it, then we have so much stuff in our brains that sometimes we just kind of like lose track of this stuff that we've been learning. Or at least that's how it is for me anyway. <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear what is something that you have been learning a lesson you've
0: learned something that you're like, "You know what? I need to share this." Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is is that a couple of mine at least can be Followed up on by the awesomes if they want because they yeah. come from podcasts, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So if you're like, Ooh, I want to hear more about this, yes. you can check it out. So, my first lesson, I'm just going to tell you my lesson and then I'm going to give you my background. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And the way I wrote this down in my notes pad when I was just trying to be like, oh, I want to remember that, this sounds more cheesy than it was in the podcast, but that's okay. <laughs> I like somehow wrote it down so that it rhymes. The first step to healing is to notice what we're feeling. Oh, yeah. Mm. Okay. So again, maybe not like a brand new thought, but it hit me. And what I was doing at the time was listening to Kelly Corrigan Wonders, which is a podcast that I have really just fallen in love with over the last year. At the beginning of the year here, she did a little mini series called the 2022 Regroup. So it was four podcasts. And the idea was, let's refocus as we start a new year on essentials. And the one that really I found the most intriguing was a regroup on parenting. Okay. And she talked to Julie Lithcott-Hames, whom if you don't know Julie, she is an author. She's written a lot of books about how to adult, how to be a parent of a young adult, how to launch a young adult into the world. And one of her most recent books was for that age group, for that 18 to 24 age group, like how to adult, mm-hmm. if it feels overwhelming to you, here are the things that you need to be thinking about. So she herself as a parent, but came to parenting, she had been, now I'm not gonna remember which Ivy League school it was, but she had been a dean at one of the Ivy League schools and really saw over the last 20 years, how many kids came to school, really relying on their parents to do almost everything. And yeah. um, you know, so many things. So that's where she was like, whoa, we are somehow... Not doing a good job, Mm. helping to prepare, you know, the kid for the road. Instead, we're preparing the road for the kid Mm -hmm. as this generation. So that's kind of her message, which you know, again, that's not the thing that I took away. But what I really took away was at one point, she or Kelly says, if we can't pick up what we are feeling first right now in this moment of parenting, but it really could apply to anything. We can't react. We can't move with intention toward healing that, toward healing the relationship, toward making changes in how we treat people because it so often comes out of that. I think the reason it hit me is that the last few years have been so much that comes at us. Mm. We don't have time often to do any more than do like the Wonder Woman, like bing, bing, like, I'm going to just handle it right now. I'm going to ping it off of me. We're reacting all the time. Yeah. There has been very little space for intentionality and just acknowledging like, what is going on yes. and where do I want to go? Mm. And that was the idea of this whole podcast, little series that she did was this, where are we now? Let's stop and take stock yes. of where we are. Yeah, And I just thought, I, especially as an Enneagram seven, Am not always clued into my feelings. Like it's right. just not something that I think about a lot. Mm-hmm. I have to be intentional even there to be like, what am I feeling? I might be conscious of it in some way, mm-hmm. like in the subconscious, like in the unconsciousness right. of something's making me uncomfortable or I'm snapping at people or, or whatever it might be. But I don't always know why mm-hmm. I'm doing this or why I'm reacting this way, why I'm pushing this thing away or why I want to do that. So for me, it was just a light bulb sort of a moment. If I want to make change, If I want to do better, if I see things where I'm like, this needs some focus, Mm -hmm. maybe step one, isn't just making a plan. I love making a plan. I love making a list. Yes. But maybe step one is just stopping and inhabiting myself Yep, and being like, how are you feeling about this right now? Right. And starting from there, because it's like, I think sometimes for me anyway, because I don't start at that step, my next steps don't quite go how I want them to go if that makes sense. It's like the foundation. Like I start building my house without building my foundation. And so then it's always a little cattywampus. Like it never really sets up the way I want it to be. So I just thought that was so good. Like if you want to move towards something good, Mm -hmm. the first step is maybe just to notice what you're feeling.
1: Yes. Oh, you are speaking to me as an Enneagram nine. (laughs) We notoriously often don't, know what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and genuinely it takes some effort to even recognize that we have a feeling about a thing, right? Or that's happening inwardly to connect with those. So I'm sitting here like, yes, this is all (laughs) like, I need to learn this too. I'm so glad that that is something that really stood out to you from that conversation. And I've kind of heard that phrase in various forms used on different podcasts and different conversations, this idea that if you want to break through to the healing of a thing, start with the feeling that's going on. And, you know, some people are definitely much more in touch with that than others. And I think for those of us that aren't, yeah, it takes some effort and some work, but like you said, so worth it to be able to build a good foundation.
0: Right. And I actually would love to hear from people who are more feeling centered, Because I wonder if they would say like their thing is maybe that they get lost in the feeling and they can't move out of it. Mm. And I don't even, or you and I, we just bloop over it, you know, which also doesn't help. So that's where we need each other, right? We like to learn from each other. So yeah, I just thought it was really good just to remember where you start matters. Yes. Yes.
1: So good. So good. Well, since you kind of briefly talked about parenting in the context of this series on Kelly Corrigan's podcast. I have one that has to do with parenting. I'm going to go ahead and talk about it right now. This came from a TED Talk that I watched recently, although it was actually a TED Talk from back in 2019 from the
0: before times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, BC, before COVID.
1: Yes, exactly. It was from April 2019 and it was given by Dr. Yuko Munakata. And the whole TED Talk, it's like 20 minutes or so. Is on the science behind how parents affect child development. So, this is her area of expertise. And she basically says in her talk so many of us as parents, we spend so much time worrying about how we are impacting our kids, how our choices, everything that we do for and with and because of our kids, whatever, we spend so much time thinking about that. We joke about how we, you know, needs to start setting up therapy funds for our kids. Cause we're like, sure that we're messing them <laughs> up along the way. You know, I think that honestly, during the pandemic, all jokes aside, I think a lot of parents have really worried and become really concerned about how are my kids going to come out of this? Like what is going mm-hmm. to be the long-term impact because I've been in survival mode or we've had economic hardship or like whatever the impact on the family unit has been because of the pandemic, a lot of us really have maybe more intensely than before been worrying about how do these decisions, how are these going to impact our kids for the long haul? Well, Dr. Munakata has basically has good news for all of us because, yeah, in her (laughs) TED talk, she really does talk about that the research shows that the impact that we have on our kids is best pictured by that butterfly effect analogy where like a butterfly flaps its wings in China and it creates a hurricane in the tropics six weeks later, basically. She's like, yeah, the things that we choose and the things that we do, they do have an impact, but it's often over time and it may turn out in ways that we can't anticipate. It may manifest in ways that we don't think it's going to and that can be for good or bad. And to not get quite so tangled up in it. She said a meta-analysis of the research that looks at parenting in every context. So like in different cultures, in different countries, you know, Mm -hmm. some of us are like, "Oh, I want to raise my kids the Dutch way so that they're just have these happy outlooks on life or the German way so that they can be like really efficient. (laughs) You know, we've looked at all these different kinds of parenting by country, by culture, by class, by age like the impact that our boomer parents had on us and you know the impact of millennial parents on their kids but she said if you look at the meta research so the research about the research yeah it suggests that parents do have some influence but of course they cannot control yeah and the best thing parents can do is stop believing that you can control how your kids are going to turn out like i tried to give them the best nutrition and get all organic this and the best activities and all of that to, to understand that Every human starting from childhood has the capacity to respond within the exact same environment in totally different ways. So what happens that is actually, you know, something that's really tragic and life altering. One child in a family can see it that way as tragic and life altering. Another child's exact same family could find it to be really exhilarating and exciting. You know, you have four kids. I have five kids. We both come from families with four kids. And I always say when it comes to kids, same recipe, different cookies, but the actual research supports
0: that, Kelly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's very cool. It is cool because it takes some of the pressure off. Yes, exactly. Right? We're like, okay, I'm not the end all to be all. Yes. Like I'm important. Yeah. But I've really been thinking about that a lot too. So it's really nice to hear science back it up because I've been thinking that, you know, just that looking around at my sibling group. And then I look at my kids and I'm like, it is like what you said, everybody reacts differently. There's not one decision, one experience that one thing that I've done or haven't done that is going to always produce this result. Yes. Right. So we just do the best we can. We love the best we can. Yes, And just know that each kid is on their own path. Our job is just to love them as they walk their path. We don't get to set the path. We have a lot of not control, which I don't always like. Yeah. But in some ways it does take the pressure off too.
1: I'm like, oh my gosh, did you listen to this TED Talk? Because that is actually her ultimate point. I will be listening to this (laughs) TED Talk. (laughs) She said basically, first of all, if you are a parent to give yourself grace, forgive yourself for any missteps you think you've made along the way. And if you are a child of parents to recognize they also were doing the best they need to do. You know, outside of cases with abuse and those types of things. But for the most part, most parents really are just trying to do the best they can and to the best thing that we can do is just to love our children fiercely in this moment without it always being a game not a game but like a mindset of I've got to do this now so that this child will turn out this way just you got to let go of that because that's not how parenting works
0: yeah and it fortunately
1: yeah I know (laughs) but to let ourselves off the hook and just love our kids as the humans that they are in the moments we have with them in our homes, so.
0: I feel like when I take that pressure off of me, I'm able to delight in them more. And because I'm not so stressed and tightly wound about Mm. everything, I can just be like, eh, we'll get through it. And I feel like that's what the people who are a little ahead of me on the journey, you know? Like if you guys, this is a side little thing. If you don't have people in your life who are a little ahead of you on whatever journey you're on to call back to you and say, I'm up here. It's going to be okay. Yeah. That is invaluable. And then you in turn can turn around and say, who's coming behind you, right? How can I call back? And the thing that I hear from my friends who have young adult children who are just a little ahead of me is always, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. It's going to be okay. And I remember the days of potty training oh, potty training is awful and you're still aren't you still doing potty training yes yes because make, my make. life is parenting that never is you are my hero when you're finally at least for me when I was out of potty training I was like oh I have crossed the line like a good yes. line like it was not mm-hmm. bittersweet <laughs> you know sometimes you're like oh it's bittersweet I've nursed my last baby not being with- done with potty training yes. is like that's the good thing I'm done with that But I remember it being so stressful and feeling like, oh, they're not getting it. And what am I doing wrong? And how could I help them? And I'm frustrated and they're frustrated. And now I think, why did I stress so much? Yeah. They're going to get it. They're going to get it. Like you do what you can. Stop being so like, ah, tightly wound corkscrew about it. Mm -hmm. But of course now I'm like, ah. (laughs) <laughs> over having, something new right over having high schoolers yes <laughs> uh, yes so probably right about the time that you figure out that you don't have to be stressed about everything yeah they're gone that's why you're a great-grandparent <laughs> <laughs> you're like eh, it's fine they're gonna be fine.
1: that's it that is absolutely the truth it really is I think this goes without saying Kelly and I will definitely put links in show notes yes. where you can go and find our sort of inspiration material for all of this but It's a really great TED talk. It's less than 20 minutes and just really reassuring. So,
0: okay. What else, Kelly, what else you've been learning lately? Okay, so my other one is all about the science of quitting. So I don't have one quippy life lesson for this, but this actually comes from the awesomes, from the superstars, I think, because I was talking in an overflow late last year about possible changes with my job and Mm -hmm. feeling like maybe I need to quit. Mm -hmm. And so somebody shared a podcast the podcast is called A Slight Change of Plans with Maya Shanker. Okay. So this was a podcast that she did that was on the science of quitting. And she talked with Annie Duke. So some people, when I say Annie Duke, they're like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. She is, or was, you know, I don't know how these titles go, but a world-class poker player, like one oh. of the world's top poker players. Okay, So she's talking with Annie in this episode about what Annie has learned about quitting. Interesting. Because when you play poker, you got to know when to fold them. That's right. Right. You got to know when to hold them. You got to know when to fold them. Kenny Rogers taught us well. Exactly. (laughs) I was trying to be like, I'm not going to sing for you, but that's definitely what's playing in my head. Yes. And the interesting thing about Annie is that she actually went to college initially studying cognitive science, like how we make decisions. Wow. Okay. So that was her thing. And she was like, I guess I'll be a professor because what are you going to do? Yeah. (laughs) You know, with this kind of interest and this kind of a degree. But she ended up in the hospital and then was so far behind that she was going to have to take some time off, basically. So she ended up having somebody in her life, might've been her brother or a cousin, was like, you know what you should do in your downtime while you're just sitting around, like waiting for grad school to start back up? You should play poker online. I bet you'd love it. Hmm. And she's like, all right. And literally she said, I played my first game and it clicked in her brain. And she was like, oh, I can do this. And within like six months, she was at the world tournaments, like making <gasps> thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars Wow! in poker. yeah. So she's really, really good at it. And I have to think that some of her background, studying how people make decisions probably played into it. But for whatever reason, she was really good at it. So now she's like leaving poker and going back to finish her degree, studying this how we make decisions, the science of quitting. She said that what she learned playing poker was that especially in American culture and Western culture, we lionize the heroes of the people who persevere. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. The people who have grit, the people who make it, who cross that finish line, you know, who stay married 50 years. Like those are the people that we say they've made it. These are the heroes. These are the people we want to emulate we don't talk about the people who quit Mm -hmm. because we just don't like it. Even if they were making a a good decision. She's like, there really aren't even any good words. Ah. You're like, if you look up thesaurus and you look up the word quit, it's all like coward. You know, it's it's negative connotations. And she's like, I think that we need to balance this a little bit. There are good reasons to quit. And there are all kinds of things happening in our brain that make it harder for us sometimes to quit. So she actually said, and this story will always stick with me because I thought, man, this is so true. She said, let's look at people who climb Mount Everest. These are intense people. you yeah. are like, they have to be training. They want to do this intense thing. Mm-hmm. And a few years ago, there was a guy, he had climbed Everest before. He was well-known. He knew what he was doing and he died mm. on the top. And the reason was, was that he knew better. He mm-hmm. was climbing with somebody who really wanted to reach the top. Yeah. And this guy, they got separated. So he knows there's a point on the mountain where it's going to be nighttime. If you hit this point and you're not, you know, it's not this time of day, you need to turn around, go back
1: back. because
0: it's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. But he was thinking probably like, oh, he's not far behind. I really want him to have this. And so he waited. He didn't quit. Yeah. And he died. Mm. And the guy died. And there were people who quit. Who turned around at that turnaround checkpoint because they said, you know, we're not going to be able to make it. We're going to turn around yeah. and they lived, but we don't hear about the people who didn't make to the top of Everest because they made a good decision and lived. Right. Yeah. We only hear about the people who persevered and made it to the top. Yeah. Because yeah. that matters to us, something in our right. brains. Yeah. Like they made it right. Mm-hmm. So she's saying like, why did he make that decision? Because one of the things that people were like, he knew better, he knew this mountain, And she's like, I think cognitively, there are lots of reasons why we could see why he would make that decision. And so she goes into it on the podcast. Of course, I'm not gonna be able to get into all her things. But just this idea that we are primed, the more especially that we have invested in something. Yes. mm -hmm, To not quit. Yep. It's hard for us. We really have to retrain our brain because so many things in our lives are like, persevere, keep going, don't quit. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, that this is a thing that I've really learned the hard way Mm. in my life, because I think not only American culture, do we say, you know, the heroes don't quit, but the Christianity that I grew up in also was like, you know, the people who stay married, the people who don't quit, you don't quit, you don't quit. Mm -hmm. They melded together Mm -hmm. to make this very strong ethic of not quitting. And I look back and I have said, my oldest daughter, Natalie, was really struggling in high school. And there was a point where we were like, oh, honey, you know, high school's hard. You just push through. We were doing all of the things that we are told to do to Mm -hmm. help somebody persevere. And there came a time, it was actually, I think it was the beginning of her junior year that she had a panic attack when we were going back to like put stuff in her locker. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just can't, I just can't. And it hit me that I had been spending years pushing her to continue on, to not quit, when maybe the right answer would have been to say, let's look for something else, which would have looked like quitting, you know? Sure, like, yeah. Like, let's look at something else instead of just doggedly mm. pushing ahead mm-hmm. on this path into the storm and hurting people. That's yeah. the thing that I think of now with my determination to not quit. And, you know, so many times we say, oh, we don't want to give our kids the idea that they can just drop out of their sport or they can stop those piano lessons. Like they need to finish. They need to learn that you don't quit. And Mm -hmm. I can see some value in that in short term things. You know, if you've signed up for a basketball through your community ed and it's six weeks and the kids like, I hate it after the first time, there's value for sure in teaching kids like, we're going to finish what we started. Mm -hmm. It's six weeks. But there's a difference between that and saying, I'm into this marriage. It's really toxic, but I'm not going to get divorced. Right. Yeah. I'm doing this program. I've invested a lot of money in this, but I don't think I really enjoy it anymore. I'm not going to switch. I'm in this career. I'm not going to switch to something that would actually make me happier and be more fulfilling and really use my gifts in the world. It's really hard for us to evaluate in those situations to separate our identity. There's all these things that Annie talks about in there. But I just thought, oh, this episode all about why it's hard for us to quit, but yet why it's smart for us to often quit instead of persevering should be heard by everybody. Yes. Because we're not good at
1: it. Right? No. And yeah, we're not good at it. And there's so much often shame. And like you said, just negative connotation attached to it. And I think it's time for a paradigm shift on that, that we can look at the value, the benefit, the actual courage that it takes sometimes to do something that might be considered by others as quitting. So yeah, that's really good. Yeah, we'll share that that episode.
0: Yeah, it's not, again, not super long, but if you're out for a walk or whatever, I bet it will just energize you. Yes, <laughs> did me. I really like that.
1: Okay, another one I wanted to share about has to do with the concept of revenge bedtime procrastination. Ooh, okay. Have you heard
0: of this term before? I have not even heard of this term. It just like, it all intrigues
1: me. Okay, well, it's kind of a, a new term for an old concept. It is this idea that- if your days are packed and crammed with obligations and multitasking and doing all of these things that you rebel against going to bed because you want to get that little bit of time for yourself. Okay. I know the concept. I didn't know the
0: words. Yes.
1: So that idea of revenge bedtime procrastination really kind of went viral back in 2020, I think it was in a tweet from journalist Daphne K. Lee, and she was talking about this phenomenon in China, especially in Chinese, the phrase translates something like retaliatory staying up late. (laughs) So in some parts of Chinese work culture, they call it the 996 culture where workers are working from nine to nine, six days a week. And you can imagine, yeah, the burnout that comes with Mm -hmm. that. So I was reading about this in a newsletter from Anne Helen Peterson, talked about her newsletter before. She's just like really great with cultural commentary. And so she's talking about this sort of revenge, retaliatory, staying up late that happens. And she said, it's a symptom of workism and burnout that accompanies it, which means you can find it anywhere where there's that approach to a career has been normalized. This idea that this is totally normal, that you just work and work and work and you have no time for yourself, right? She said, it's illogical and annoying and only makes things worse, but it's also what our souls do when we refuse to nourish them. Hmm. They sabotage our most perfect intentions for sleep because sleep is not the same as leisure. So yeah, there's just kind of been different people commenting on this idea that when our days are filled with obligations and we feel like we are constantly, constantly giving and showing up for people and, you know, have no time for ourselves that we rebel in the evening hours by just insisting on staying up so we can have a little time for ourselves. So then I read a Washington Post article from June of 2021 with some ideas about how we can curb that or stop Hmm. it. Because ultimately, you know, it's a vicious cycle. Like you spend your whole day meeting obligations, meeting expectations, you have time for yourself at night, but then you're tired the next day and you're, you know, it's just this cycle. That's not good. It's self-sabotage. Yeah. Like it's self-sabotage. Yes. So of course, one of the things that they talk about is you can carve out time for yourself and maximize it. So when you do have some time that's not in the middle of the night or late up past your bedtime to do something that actually supports your mental health, it actually creates resilience in the face of stress. Now, That's great. If your life is set up that way, where you can just be like, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to make time for myself. (laughs) I know that even though I have not worked a job that required me to be there from nine to nine, six days a week, I have parented small children, which is an around the clock. Yeah, I was
0: gonna say it's it's seven,
1: 24 seven. Yep. And if you are a stay-at-home parent and you don't have even a different context that you're going to for work or for volunteering or whatever, that it really does feel like this is around the clock and you have to have some kind of external support in place, Mm -hmm. right? If you have caregiving obligations, either children or aging parents or whatever. And so I thought, well, that's a great idea if your support system allows you to do that. Another one though, that really spoke to me was to prune your schedule, So Dr. Christine Lee, who is a clinical psychologist and anti-procrastination coach in that article said, we're more likely to feel vengeful when we don't see the value in our daily time commitments. So if you can identify the things that you feel like are maybe useless meetings or obligations that you don't even actually really care about and start cutting those out, that can help you not feel like you have to, you know, have this right. revenge-fueled mindset at the end of the day, right? Right. So they gave a couple of tips. Another one that spoke to me, because I do like to do stuff like this, is to use breath work to come back into your body, mm-hmm. especially as you're kind of clocking out from whatever your thing is. So like I tell my kids, there's a certain time in the evening where I'm off mom duty and they'll yeah. have to solve That's their own problems <laughs> and those types of things. But whatever it is, whenever you're transitioning into that time at the end of the day to do some breath work, to come back into your body, because so much of us spend so much of our days not in our bodies and we're multitasking, we're answering emails while we're trying to have conversations and all of these things. We're trying to catch up on texts, but to just use that time to come back into yourself. And then after you have really reconnected inwardly, ask yourself, you know, what is really going to nourish my soul right now? Now, we don't all have the opportunity or the privilege of being able to do that every single night. But if you do find that this revenge bedtime procrastination is an ongoing kind of habit that you've gotten yourself into, maybe you can start with one or two nights a week, really stopping and being like, what is actually going to nourish me in these Mm. few hours that I have for myself? And then kind of allow yourself to grow towards a more healthy view on it from there. So, yeah, I love that. Super important.
0: Yes. That's like real self-care. Real self-care. Yes. Yeah. For sure.
1: Okay, well those are a couple of the things that we've been learning. We still have even more that we want to share with you all and we will get to those when we come right back. Good news, friends. If you are suffering from way too many subscription syndrome, there is a way out and You don't even have to talk to anyone. Let Truebill do the work and set you free. Average users save $720 a year using Truebill. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, and the ones that you simply forgot about. Some companies make subscriptions so hard to cancel. So Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Now you all know that I would rather have a double root canal than have to talk to someone on the phone. And that is why Truebill has been an actual miracle for me with money management. There's no reason to put off canceling subscriptions when Truebill does it for me. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com awesome. Go right now. Truebill.com awesome. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash awesome. All right, awesomes, be honest. How many unread emails do you have sitting in your inbox? You know, that number is pretty high for me. Are you wasting hours and hours of your day procrastinating? If you're having trouble getting things done or even getting started, Thesis can help. Thesis makes personalized supplement formulas that are specifically designed to boost cognitive function. It's based in the science of nootropics, which are natural and powerful ingredients like caffeine, ginseng, and B12. They increase productivity, focus, energy, and mental clarity. So you can feel energized without the crash cut through the brain fog to think clearly or get a little help with motivation to find your flow. All you do is take their three minute online quiz and Thesis will recommend high quality nootropic formulas that are unique to you and your goals. Imagine what you could do with Thesis. Right now, Thesis is offering you awesomes 10% off of your first starter kit. When you visit takethesis.com awesome, go to take thesis.com slash awesome to take the quiz and discover your unique nootropic combination and save 10% on your first starter kit. That's takethesis.com slash awesome. Make sure you use our URL to let them know we sent you. Hey friends, even though we and my family are dog people now, I actually grew up in a family that loves cats. In fact, my parents still have three cats and they get really upset when their cats are sick. But since they aren't mind readers, they don't always know when their cats are healthy or not. That's one reason they are so happy to have Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. So no more cat bathroom smell. And as anyone who has ever kept up with a litter box knows, that conventional litter, it gets tracked all over over the place. But Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which is great for my parents. It means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can. You know, cats can be pretty mysterious and it really can be hard to know if they are having any health issues going on. Pretty litter brings cat people so much peace of mind because the coolest thing about pretty litter is that it changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness in your cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And pretty litter ships free to your door in a small lightweight bag never run out of it, and you don't have that huge container of kitty litter taking up space and stinking up your place. So Awesomes, get the world's smartest litter without leaving your home by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code AWESOME for 20% off of your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code AWESOME for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code AWESOME. Okay, we are back. And today we are talking about the things that we've been learning lately, things that we want to make sure that we get to share with our community and also just for ourselves to really, you (laughs) know, make it more concrete and more like, yeah, this is something really important just by having a conversation
0: about it. So Kelly, what else have you been coming across that keeps coming to mind for you? Like, I'm so glad I'm learning this. I'm so glad I'm learning this. Oh man, one of the big things that I'm doing a lot of reading and listening to about right now is... ADHD and anxiety and depression in kids, yeah. because there's so much research and I'm just trying to learn um, for my own family, stuff that I'm not aware of, or that I, I, you know, just, you don't understand until you hear from people who have lived experiences. Yeah. So just recently um, through my school district, they were offering a parenting webinar and it was about the anxious mind if you're aware of this sort of a topic, a lot of the things that you would expect, you know, the idea that our brains are wired to protect us. So they're constantly looking for threats. And the problem is that when we get stuck in, you know, there's a saber-toothed tiger out there and it's really just the math test the next day. So just trying to help our kids how to quiet their brains. And for us too, really, it was not just about the kids. A lot of the parents were like, I'm probably more anxious about this than my kids right now. You know, like after two years of Parenting through a pandemic. Mm. One of the things that she said that really though, just to me was, she said, when we are worried or anxious, we are overestimating the problem, Mm. which I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she said, and we are underestimating our resources. Mm. And I was like, what? Yeah. I had never looked at anxiety that way before or worry to say that not only are you blowing this thing up, and I've heard that before, you know, like that idea that like this is a math test, it's not gonna be a big deal. But also we are underestimating the things that we have at our disposal to deal with it if it happens or whatever's gonna happen, we have the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was like, whoa, this will change the way I talk to myself and talk to my kids. So instead of just saying, well, I know you're worried about that test, we'll just stick with that example, honey. But- yeah. You can study or you've done your work or whatever, but also saying you also can talk to the teacher. Like afterwards, could you retake the test? What are the things that you have, the tools that even if the worst case scenario happened, what would you do? You have tools to deal with it. Mm -hmm. You are equipped, even for me saying when I'm going into a worst case scenario of something at work, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's something that's happening and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to go off the rails. I have people I can call in, you know, I have backup people, I have learned things. So even like not giving myself due of saying like, you know what to do, you know, a plan B, we'll get through this. It's like that yin to the yang of looking at the problem. Not only is the problem probably as dire as my brain is telling me that it is right now, Mm -hmm. but also my brain probably isn't looking at the toolkit that I already have Mm -hmm. and the support that already surrounds me to deal with the situation. And I was like, I just loved the switch on that and the ability to say to my kids, you have tools. I'm here. You are loved. It's not just about making the thing out there that's big seem smaller. It's also making yourself seem bigger.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's so good and so helpful. And I have definitely seen that in AJ, our middle schooler. The pandemic schooling has been very difficult for her. And so being able to call to mind for her, like you said, the resources that she does have both inwardly and externally Mm -hmm. to stay afloat in classes has been meaningful. Not to say that we wrapped it up with a pretty bow and everything's great, There have been and there are some ongoing stresses with that. But yeah, that just being able to remind ourselves and our kids of that. That's a game changer right there. Yeah. All right. My next one is absolutely not if anything of cultural weight or value or a personal thing. I just find it fascinating. And so I think I notice it a lot because I do have two teenagers here. And that is the concept of TikTok couture. And so, okay, so yeah, explain. Yeah, I just read about this. This is actually a really recent article at Vox from writer Rebecca Jennings. She writes a lot about cultural trends there, especially TikTok stuff. And so she started her article by saying, here are some of the trends that we'll see in 2022. According to TikTok, Kelly, buckle up, because this is quite a list. We're talking ballet core, royal core, regency core, indie sleaze. I don't even know what that means. You're saying words either. and I don't know what I it, it no means. I have no idea what, especially what indie Sleaze means. Uh, Russian bimbo core. <laughs> Avant apocalypse, which is also sometimes known as dystopia core. Okay. Hyper Gen Z, skirts over trousers, opera gloves, all of these things that are trends, mm-hmm. according to TikTok. And she really dives in in her article about how you know teens have always especially starting in the mid 20th century teens mm-hmm. have been very interested in what's trending how do we get in on trends how do we participate in this but obviously for like our generation like gen x and even millennials to some extent we basically had access to fashion magazines or magazines that were geared towards teens we had the mall you know, <laughs> stores and brands kind of telling us this is what the trend is. Yeah. Now, for this generation of teenagers, Kelly, oh my gosh, not only do they have the whole internet at their fingertips, but via TikTok, they can find their niche in what they're interested yep. in. And then that's all they see. And that and they can then be like inspired to recreate that in their own ways, whatever the trend is. Fashion is what Rebecca was writing about in this article, but it could be anything from like, I've seen one of our daughters get super, super into anime and the different adjacent cultures that have to do with that. Of course, my older daughter, Daisy, really loves Dungeons and Dragons. And so it's just so fascinating to me. And I'm learning as I watch my kids do this, this is you know, tale as old as time in terms of kids finding their identity and expressing themselves in this way. But to see the impact in like the sort of cycle of it with TikTok, they find kind of who they want to be via what TikTok serves them. They kind of play around with that and then they move on to the next thing. And I think that was another point of this piece at Fox mm. was for us as parents, we might be like, weren't you just into this last week and now we're doing this? But to them, that's just the actual speed and the pace of it, of just trying something on and playing around with it and then throwing that out, kind of going back to what you were talking about, quitting things. It's just maybe more on a micro level with kids is that they do, because they have access to so much, they can dabble in things so much more. And I think that that causes, for us, it maybe causes a little friction as parents because. We did kind of grow up in this mindset of, okay, if you were into dance, that's what you did. And that was your activity. And that was what you did for years and years. And you put a lot of time and money and energy into it. Mm -hmm. But this generation does not have that kind of right parameter. They want to just play and dabble and move on to the next thing.
0: That's so interesting. I was just thinking that you know, when I was in high school, you had the different, you know, like not even clicks isn't the right word, but you'd be like, well, that's the druggies. Those are the jobs, right, those yep. are the preppies. And so I remember talking to my kids, you know, over the years, what are the words that you guys use? Yeah, And they'd be like, well, there's the skaters, you know, like so different terms yes. because of the different things. But I was like, this might be, because I think they still have that. I've asked at the middle school and she's like, oh, you know, there's, The e-girls and like, so it's all different terms again. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. But
0: I don't know that the next, like that might be going away because the identities get so fractured, not in a bad way, but just like so many smaller, so many different things. You don't have that. Well, I'm just this one thing, like this one thing that I'm known for. It changes so often and you have so many more options. It ends up being like, there's this two kid group that is the Russian bimbo Core. <laughs> the, you know, like it's not gonna be a group. You're not gonna have the Breakfast Club someday where yeah. you had like you had a representative of each sort of type of high schooler. Right. And yeah. that's just going away, which mm-hmm. is not a bad thing, I don't think. It's yeah. just interesting. Like the group identity is not there because you have so many more choices. Maybe you do have a group, but they're all over around the world. Like your group is actually some students in Brazil and a few in Israel and some in Japan. And you're like, those are my people. I'll go to school with them, but I do have a group. You just, we're not all congregating in one place. We congregate online. Yeah.
1: so interesting. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and tell you my last thing. And then I know you have one more thing that you recently. Yeah, mine's silly. (laughs) That I love and I cannot wait to hear about. But speaking of kids and what they are into, because of my kids, we have gotten really into bubble tea or boba is what we call it. But it kind of goes, you know, by both names. One of my very favorite YouTubers is Sophia Nygard, And recently on her channel, she did a thing where she took over, like she ran a boba shop for two days. Oh, and fun. yeah, it's such a fun video. Day one, she's doing the training. She's learning how you make the boba and how you make the tea and all of this, which was fascinating. And then the second day they're actually, she and her husband are quote unquote running the shop. They mm-hmm. had a lot of support from the actual employees there. But I loved it so much. And it reminded me that my friend, Grace, who is a superstar and an awesome, has asked me a couple of times, how do you order boba? Walk me through it because I don't want to, you know, feel dumb going into a boba shop and ordering. And I feel so bad because I have not written up a little tutorial for her. So now (laughs) we're just going to all talk about it. That's right. (laughs) And I learned this from my kids because the first time we were ordering, I was like, what even is this? How does this work? One thing that helps a lot, Kelly, is that a lot, a lot, a lot of your Boba shops, whether they're locally owned or part of a chain, have their menus online. Yes. So you can go and look and see. At least
0: familiarize yourself.
1: Exactly. With the options. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the basic idea is this. You decide on what kind of tea you want for your base. So you could do like a green tea. You could do a black tea. Some shops will have oolong tea, which is kind of like a cross between black and green tea. I like a milk-based tea that's going to be a lot creamier Mm -hmm. and not quite so acidic, but it's just whatever you're in the mood for. That's your first decision. What's your base tea? Some boba shops do serve like a hot tea with boba. I think Hmm. most people though think of when they think Mm -hmm. of going to get bubble tea, they think of like an iced tea. The one that we like to go to that's down the street from us, they let you pick how much ice you want. If you want more ice, less ice or no ice. So that's something to keep in mind as well. And then our, again, our favorite shop also lets you pick the amount of sweetness. Like if you want full sweetness, half sweetness, or very little sweetness. So you have a few decisions to make, you know, as you're kind of getting your base set up. And so then you can go in a fruity way. If you want to do like a peach tea or kiwi, Mm -hmm. mango, winter melon, passion fruit, could go a more fruity tea direction, or you could go more creamy like a chocolate or a coffee, a chai-based tea. So those are some things to keep in mind what you're in the mood for. I think where most people get a little overwhelmed is when it comes to the toppings. Some people call them the sinkers. We don't call them that, but they are the things that sink down to the bottom of your cup in your bubble tea. So the classic thing is either a boba pearl or tapioca pearl. Mm -hmm. Some shops will use those terms interchangeably, but technically tapioca pearls have not been soaked in brown sugar. So they're gonna be smaller, they're denser and they're less sweet. Whereas boba pearls, which again, most of us think of when we think of bubble tea, those have been soaked in brown sugar, like in a syrup. And so they're gonna be a lot sweeter. And again, just kind of depends on your preference. But most boba shops or bubble tea shops, your boba You can ask for it, but there's some drinks like the one that we go to the most often, like Boba's included in the drink recipe. Mm -hmm. And so then you can add other things as well, but that's going to be definitely included. Okay. One that I was not familiar with, but some people really like it is pudding. So Mm. you can choose pudding as one of your toppings. It's an egg and milk pudding that has been made and then cubed and- they add it to your drink. That's a really nice addition if you're doing a cream tea, like a chai or a coffee tea. Other people might like to do jellies, which are kind of jello jigglers. Yeah, just small. Mm -hmm. Yep, cut down really small. They're usually fruity flavored. So they're really fun to add to the fruity teas. Now our shop does ice cream. No, I've never seen that. Yeah, you can either have ice cream blended in or just a scoop added to your tea. My twins love our shop has a Oreo boba tea where you can add the ice cream to it. Oh my gosh, the sugar in this is just yeah. like off the charts. And speaking of sweetness, that you can add one thing that became really popular, again, I think because of a big TikTok trend is adding cheese or cheese foam. This is Daisy's Ooh. favorite thing to add. Side eye. <laughs> really, Daisy? I know. Okay. I don't care for it myself. Like a cheese Whiz? <laughs> no, that's what you would think when you hear cheese tea cheese though, right? It's, yes. Yeah, it's made from heavy cream and cream cheese. Oh, okay. So okay. it's kind that's of like, as, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just think cream cheese, but it's been whipped together to make this foam with heavy cream. Again, okay. this is Stacy's favorite. That's usually going to be a topping across the top of your tea if you're into that. So those are the choices you're going to be making. But if you're going to make your first order I do highly recommend looking at the menu online first, because if you just walk into a shop and you're looking at all the choices, it is extremely overwhelming because there's so many ways you can do this.
0: So look online first and kind of get an idea of how you want to make your order. Well, and almost every shop has some preset selections, just like, you know, like at a Starbucks, the actual options of things they can do are numerous, but they're like, here, would you like a mocha or a vanilla latte? So you can be like, I just want that thing. So go online and look and see yes. which shop that you're going to go to. Like some of the things that they just, this is what you're going to get. It's going yep. to be a peach tea. It's going mm-hmm. to have mango tapioca pearls. It's going to have ice and just be like, I just want that. Yes. And then you can start there, you know, like, yes. be like, do I like this? And do I need to modify it? And what, how would I want to try? So that's an easy way to step your foot in, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So good. Okay. So
1: Kelly, you recently went on a pretty great vacation. I did. And you were mentioning off mic something that you
0: learned that's pretty awesome to do while you're on vacation. So tell me everything. <laughs> this is so silly, you guys. And this isn't like a brand new lesson to me, but it was reinforced in so many ways. If you are a Costco member, when you go on vacation, one of your first stops should be Costco. Okay. <laughs> isn't that silly? In some no. ways, it sounds like, oh, why would you go on vacation to go shopping? I think it's brilliant. So this is why though, is, First of all, if you are traveling with kids or picky eaters, Costco's food court is the same everywhere mm. and it mm-hmm. is the same prices. Wow. Everywhere. Okay. It is standardized across the country. So as most awesomes know, we went to Hawaii. It is not a cheap place to eat but the price of a large, you know, or like the regular pizza that you get a whole pizza at the food court, you have to wait for it. It's (gasps) $9.99. That's amazing. Everywhere. So it's like, we can go do that. And I have two kids who, I mean, everybody likes that pizza. That pizza is, I don't know. I read somewhere where I was like, why is this such a good pizza? Mm -hmm. And it's like how many pounds of cheese they put on it? Like it is not a healthy pizza but it fills up teenage boys. And so we actually ended up getting two Mm -hmm. because we were like, we can eat one and we're just going to take it with us. You know, like it's it's breakfast, it's late night snacks. We can heat it up. And that was 20 bucks. That was the cheapest meal the whole time that we were on the island of Hawaii. Yes. The other thing, and we had learned this from going to Hawaii several years ago, That was the first time somebody was like, when you get there, look for the Costco and go to Costco first and stock up on some small stacks so that when you're in an expensive place, you have some things that are healthy, that are well-known that you've already got. Right. So that's smart. And then now I'm adding in the food court element to that. Like it's Mm -hmm. smart to go just like grab some of those baby carrots and be like, we're going to have some apples. Like we'll have something that's healthy in the room, some protein bars, whatever we want to have. But also... The different Costco's around the country have regional things in them, right? So, somewhere I had read the Costco in Kona, which is where all the planes fly into, has poke in the store, like fresh that they make it every day in the deli section. Wow. So, we have several people in our family, Corey and I included, who love poke. So, we were like, are you kidding me? That's going to be the most economical way to have poke in Hawaii. So, we went and bought a big clamshell of both kinds of poke that they had in the store and took it with us. And we ate that. It was so good. We also got like some, you know, cut pineapple, which you can get in a lot of places. But we're like, this has to be more fresh because we're in the land of pineapple. And then I learned, to my great sorrow, some awesomes told me, that I did not know this when I first went. I had looked through the alcohol section to be like, is there anything that's like exciting here? I didn't really see anything, but they told me later, that in Hawaii, they sell pre-made Mai Tais. Mm. In a pre-made, it's got the alcohol in it. So it's like their golden margarita mix, which we've talked about before on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can get it at Costco, it's like $9 where I live. A big bottle, it's already pre-made. If you, like me, are one of the only people that drink in your house, like you don't have to make yeah. your own margarita. Mm-hmm. Very economical. So they had the same thing for Mai Tais. And instead I was buying Mai Tai, you know, at $20 a pop everywhere yes. I went because I, we were in Hawaii. And I was like, oh, if I had known. And then we went on our last day because the other thing about Costco is since it's regional, they often have like little souvenir sorts of things. Oh, so we went and bought um, souvenirs and like chocolates that we could bring home with macadamia nuts for our family. Yeah. And I found the Mai Tai mix. I was like, how can I take it home? And Corey's like, you have a carry on. You can't. Like, there's literally no way. And I was like, oh, this is killing me. Uh, yeah. The, the genius of Costco on vacation, you guys, it's, I think, especially if nothing else, just knowing that the food court is there. It's yep. a cheap, recognizable option for kids, and it's just helpful. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm
1: going to file that away. Yeah. That is so smart. And Wherever you go,
0: check yeah. to see if there's
1: a Costco there. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right, Kelly, this was so good. And you've given me so much to mull over myself. I know this is going to really speak to so many of the awesome who are listening. Mm-hmm. If people do want to find you and talk about something we talked about on
0: the show or just life in general, where can we find you all around the web? Of course, you can find me in the Hangout and the Superstars group. That's on Facebook. But if you want to look for me on Instagram or Twitter, I'm at Kelly Gordon MN for Minnesota.
1: Okay. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg in all of the places. And you can just search Sorta Awesome, whatever platform you are on, hashtag Sorta Awesome so we can catch up with your conversations and learn about what is awesome in your life right now. We would love to be able to find you in all of the places. So awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old.